life can be tricky, making us ask, what was that? Join host Jan Murray and her guests as they explore the that's of life. Welcome to Life After That. to welcome Diane Ward from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, but temporarily in Arizona for the winter to life after that. So welcome, Diane. Thank you. Thanks. Diane's going to share some about her story uh, with ALS with her husband, Bradford. Did you call him Bradford? I call him just Brad. He, Brad? He, yeah. He, he, he was um legally Bradford. A lot of times people called him Bradley and he's like, I'm not Bradley, I'm Bradford. But <laughs> well, she's going to share a little bit about Bradford and or Brad and the way he was before he was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And he was diagnosed in 2019, I believe. September 6th, yes. Okay, and then passed away really a couple of years later then at age 57. So, Diane, tell us a little bit about your husband of 19 years uh, and what his life was like, what was his vocation and all that long before ALS came, and lead us into whatever happened that caused him to seek medical attention and perhaps what led to the diagnosis. So just give us some background information first. You know, Brad, um, we were married, of course, you know, 19 years, and he um, was very, a very active man. He loved to fish, you know, he loved the outdoors. He loved, we didn't have a boat. He liked to uh, hike to spots where, you know, remote lakes in Minnesota to go fishing. And, you know, he was able you know he trucked through the woods and um he was so active he um you know some of the lakes we went to you know it was a chore to get to some of them were in the boundary water canoe area which you portage a canoe you know over your head and you're carrying backpack um and so forth so so he was a healthy strong man he was a very healthy, strong man, and um, in, in he loved to, I mean, I'm thinking about him at this time of year, he loved to pick morel mushrooms, which morel mushrooms are out in Minnesota in the spring. He always told me when um, uh, uh, lilac bushes are in bloom, that then the uh, morel mushrooms would be out. And so, you know, he enjoyed that and I enjoyed that too. And um, I would do these along with him, alongside him. You know, it's many times he would be doing some things that was like, okay, I can't do that. And, um, you know, he would go on his own on so many things. Right. And, um, you know, so he was a very active, just amazing, you know, how active he was and um and what did he do for um employment what was his job in life what he did um you know since I had known him he was actually a custodian in one of the grade schools in um Eden Prairie Minnesota 
Uh huh. And um, so that was also an active position. Uh, he did a lot of steps, walking to school. Sure. The, the cleaning. Um, he would set up for school performances. You know, set up the risers and so forth. And he did that for I think twenty one years with. The so he had district. a physical job. He had also a very physical job. Yes, exactly. And um, and then you know the ALS, you know, started you know striking him. What was his first symptoms? Uh, see, I think he, he passed away at 57. Yep. So he was what, mid 50s, kind of like yep. my husband, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. When he when did he start having symptoms and what were his first symptoms that he knew something was not quite right? You know, I think the main symptom that I started to notice is that he started to have some falls. And... Um, that just um, was kind of couldn't quite figure out why. And actually he had a fall at the school district um, in the middle of the winter, that winter um, of 2019. Uh -huh. And um, he fell and he hit his head and he, he got a concussion. Oh dear. And um, from there, things just started to go downhill. And that's when, Sometimes, you know, you hear football players getting ALS. Right, sometimes from the head I, injuries, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes I think of it that way. And um, so I don't know if it's from that head injury, because this is another thing, I guess, the history of Brad. This is before I knew him, but in 1994, Brad um, flipped a pickup truck. And um, he had a very bad head injury. Oh. But he recovered from this head injury. He um, um, was in a coma for three weeks. Wow. After this head injury. And um, so this is kind of one reason I think that Maybe the ALS is caused by head injuries, you know. Well, I, I think no some clue, cases are. I think they, they have related it to traumatic brain injury in some people than other people. You know, it's still a mystery. Right. Uh, was he ever an athlete or anything like that in high school? Or No, he, he really play? wasn't. He wasn't. Okay. Um, I remember him. My husband was short. You know, he was only 5'7", you know, 5'8". And, you know, he was a short man. And I remember him telling me that uh, he would never um, want to play football. He remembers trying out the one year and being tackled. He's like, well, that's it. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> you had enough of that right off the bat, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you have so, to wonder, because if he had the wreck and he was in the coma for three weeks, that was like 20 years prior to his diagnosis, right? And that could have been long enough for a TBE, a traumatic, traumatic, a TBI, a traumatic brain injury situation, possibly to have yeah. pre, uh, predated the ALS. What did his doctors think? Um, we talked about it and, you know, they really kind of just sort of brushed it off because, you know, you really, they didn't know right. too much about the head injuries. It, it's possible it could have been, but 
at that point, it really doesn't. Um, uh, it almost matter, doesn't matter where it came from, does it? Yeah, at that at that point. So how long did it take to get a diagnosis? Because some people, it takes a really long time and then others, things progress quickly enough that the doctors do like a needle EMG and they're able to make a fairly quick diagnosis. Uh, what was your husband's situation? That was interesting because Brad had that head injury and, uh, you know, he was having a lot of the symptoms he started having after the one head injury there in, um, in the year he was diagnosed he was um he started to have weakness on some sides and then um you know he was out of work you know because of this you know it seems like he had trouble concentrating uh-huh. and so forth after that head injury so you know Brad was out of work for a while he was trying to apply for long-term disability just because he was having a hard time concentrating Gotcha. And so forth. And we saw a um, neurologist that was going to help him get disability. And at that point in time, the neurologist noticed fasciculations. Yeah. And, you know, I originally noticed it on Brad's knee and leg. And, um, you know, I remember his primary care doctor just kind of brushed it off and, you know, didn't say too much about it. And it kind of bothers me to this day. And, um, you know, this one neurologist, you know, told me he brought me into the room because he didn't want me in there at first. And he says, your husband has, a, you know, a severe um, neurological condition. Me told me the word fasciculations. Right, right. And he says is that he it's not only on his knee. He's got it on some on his back and you know various parts of his body. Uh-huh. And um, you know, he says you need to get in immediately, you know, to a neurologist. And um he called, you know, um the primary clinic where Brad went and we got actually in within the week to a neurologist okay. and they did the EEG right there and right. you know that day. And um, you know, they told us, you know, they would be getting back to us within a week after his results. And um, you know, that evening we got a call um from the doctor's office saying, um, you know, instead, can you come in tomorrow? at four o'clock and we're kind of like okay something is really seriously wrong right like the doctor said and um so um you know, they they said that because his fasciculations were all over his body uh-huh. um on both sides that he had ALS. Wow. You know, so we never really, like some people and some of the ALS um, sites have said that uh, it took a long time for a diagnosis. It didn't take a long for a Brad's diagnosis at all. You know, they immediately was like ALS because they, uh, on the, 
scan that they did, you know, so. Right. My husband was having issues probably for a year or longer, but he didn't tell me. I didn't really know what was going on when uh, I knew there was some strange reason he was having me open his pack of crackers before I packed his lunchbox before he would go to work. And that he was asking me all the time to tie his work boots for him. And I was like, why aren't you doing this yourself? I didn't know what was happening. He didn't tell me. Eventually, though, he had to tell me that something was wrong. And uh, we saw a local neurologist who decided he had um, a neck issue and needed a lamectomy where they put the little plate between the vertebrae and the neck. And so they did that. And nothing really got any better. So then he decided that doc that doctor did an EMG, but he didn't do it correctly. So he said that, well, he doesn't have ALS like his brothers. His he had two brothers at the time with ALS. Oh. And um he sent us to a neurosurgeon to see about carpal tunnel surgery on his left hand because he was having trouble gripping with his hand and as we were walking from the exam room at that neurosurgeon's office he called us back in he said I don't think you have carpal tunnel something's going on with you you're walking your gait is off and he went ahead and scheduled the surgery but then I was like oh no I'm thinking you may have what your brothers have and I got a hold of one of the brothers doctors at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, and he agreed to work my husband in literally within a matter of days. And it was up there um, that they did the needle EMG correctly and ran a whole bunch of other tests at that ALS clinic. By the end of that day, they were like, we're so sorry, but you have ALS. So that's how we got ours. It it wasn't a long time from the time he sought help. It was just a long time from when he started having problems because he didn't tell anybody. He just, oh. you know, went about it um, kind of secretly dealing with things until he had no choice but to ask for help. So tell me back to Brad. Okay, so you get the diagnosis. He's been falling. He's had a concussion. Um, how quick did the disease progress with um, your husband? You know, I, at first, I think it was slowly I you, at first. But then it seemed um, then it started. He had a fall. No, well, Brad had quite a few falls, mm -hmm. but he had, had one fall and um he had a brain bleed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And That's scary. Falls yeah, are so dangerous. So dangerous. It, they they are so dangerous. Mm. And, you know, they had, you know, they, the night that he had the brain bleed, we were um, in Minnesota already at that point from Phoenix. And um, the doctors had said if they don't do surgery that night, he wouldn't make it through the night. Oh my goodness. And they decided to do surgery. And um, at that point of time, you know, he, he was in the hospital for 
that was probably May, early May, and he really never came home until July. And what year was that? Um, 2020. 2020. Okay. So during the pandemic, so that made it even worse too, didn't that it? That made it totally worse because I couldn't even, I wasn't allowed to even come in to visit him. Oh my goodness. And it was so, so hard on me. I was home alone and, you know, they told me Brad was doing fine. You know, I t- tried to talk to the nurses regularly and, um, uh, it, um, you know, he wasn't doing fine. You know, he, at that point, he lost his, pretty much lost his voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I guess I kind of look back on this as he really took a huge turn at that time. But beforehand, he was starting to lose his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were leaving Phoenix and coming back to Minnesota, my sister came up. Uh, to down to Phoenix to drive back with us. And um, he was starting to lose his voice already at that time. And he was already starting to have falls. So sometimes I think I'm sort of in denial on some of the issues that he was having. So yeah, he had issues, but his main issue was when he had that fall with his ALS, it took a huge turn. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, um so so you got back to minnesota and he he had pretty much lost his voice my husband lost his voice too within the first couple of years and i think that was probably one of the hardest things to even adjust to so did he did he eventually lose all of his voice or just was he still able to function with his voice till he passed away so he pretty much lost pretty much all his voices brad and i we kind of got had cues to know what he was saying. You know, Brad was able to do a lot of thumbs up. Mm-hmm. My you husband know, did th- thumbs up too. <laughs> and thumbs down. And um, so that that's how we kind of figured and talked and, you know, need, you know, blow me kisses, you know, good night that I love you and stuff. So, did he have to have a feeding tube at all, or did you elect not to do uh, any tubes? We had yeah. a feeding tube as, as far as we went with it. Brad, he too also did get a feeding tube um, because he was starting to choke on foods. Yep, that's what and happened to us. So we did, did get him a feeding tube at you know the one point, and um, I think that was hard. You know, when you talk too about the voice portion of him losing his voice is one of the last things he told the ALS doctor here in Phoenix is he said um, what can I do so I don't lose my voice yeah and you know that just kind of breaks my heart when I hear that you know when yeah. Brad said that because he Brad also he there was another thing about Brad he loved to talk he loved jokes. He loved, he did a lot of puns. And um, he sounds a lot like my husband. My husband was really? like that too. And we laughed and joked through the whole thing until the end. We really did. But he had always been a jokester, which is, you know, I think why he kept a really great attitude through his 
disease. And it sounds like your Brad was like that. Brad was like that. He loved to joke and, and say jokes and, you know, so forth. And we couldn't do that anymore. We did get the, uh, um, oh, what is the name of the machine? We did do the voice banking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't do that. That didn't exist till my husband's voice was almost gone. So we never got to bank the voice. Yeah, we did. And, um, you know, we he had, I can't think of the name of the machine that we used. Um, that they put the voice banking on. I have no but, idea. <laughs> but but with eventually what happened is, you know, Brad, he, because of the brain injury, he couldn't quite figure it out. Uh-huh. So we never really had total access to that. Okay. We were never able to use the eye gaze properly that was given to us because my husband's eyes were affected by the disease. Even though the doctors tried to tell you it doesn't affect eyes and unfortunately it affects everything. So he was never able to really use the eye gaze to use his eyes to talk. So we used the ABC chart that he used his one hand that moved some, you know, he would point to the letters and spell things out. And I had to be around to interpret that a lot because he wasn't a great speller. <laughs> and I was about the only one that could figure out what he wanted to say sometimes. Yeah, you know, I that was part of it, too, is Brad. Um, he had a hard time with, you know, the spelling portion, too, and using the machine. Um, you know, I feel like the only one that understood what he was saying was, was me. Yeah, that was the same with me as well. Yeah, you know, and I know, Brad, with the communication part of it, I know it was hard on him. He, you know, we had guests come over, which we really we had very few people come over to visit. But, you know, he felt like he wasn't a part of the conversation. You know, when I talked to him afterwards and he eventually just like, I just want to go, I want to go lay down. Yeah, you know, that's he just, sad. That's yeah. sad. Yeah. But I understand it, it. So what was the most difficult thing when you can look back now? Um, what do you think the most difficult part of that process was for you as the caregiver of your husband? Well, it was just me caring, caring for Brad. Um, We did have some people that came out from the ALS Association Weekly for the respite care. But um, eventually, you know, I, 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 what the ALS Association did for us was excellent. But some of the ALS, the respite care, weren't the best trained mm-hmm. because the one time somebody did come out and um, they dropped Brad. Oh, dear. My husband got dropped by a couple of people, too, That, but it's because they truly didn't understand. They expected him to help when they were moving him and didn't realize, even though I had told them, <laughs> he yeah. can't catch himself. He can't help you roll him. He can't help anything. Yeah, so, yeah. so I felt. You know, I was pretty much, I guess, the only person like yeah. he says is it was difficult. I was scared to leave him. Right. And you yeah. had to have, well, if you were like me and every other cows that I've interviewed over the last several months, your energy was depleted, but somehow the adrenaline kept you going when you had to. 
great. Because you get so tired. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of, you know, I would never not do. I would rather have him with me today and still taking care of him. Which maybe sounds selfish on my part. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I miss him. I would would rather have him with me any day. <laughs> of course. And you're still, I mean, he's only been gone, what? What year did he die? 21? No, December 20th, 2020. 2020. So you're barely past the two-year mark. So it's... You know, really, to me, I'm I'm almost to my six-year mark now, which I can't even believe that. But year one was a fog. I functioned rather well, but I now know that I was just in some kind of protective fog. I was just going through the motions of life. Yes, to, it, it, exactly. And you then know, year I, two was rough. Yeah. So you just came through year two. So what did you think about year two? Nine times out of ten, the every cows I talk to talks about how year year two was really a tough year because you've been through all the first by then, and then suddenly you do realize that you're alone. It it is, I uh, you know it's re it's really hard. Um, I just um, it's still really hard to this day. You know, it's like, it was just Brad and I, now I kind of look at my life and I'm just like, I don't know what it is, where it's going. And he I was, understand that. I do he, understand that. Cause I felt that way too. It was, you know, my every, everything, you know, Brad and I got married late in life and it was his first marriage and my first marriage. And, um, and now I'm without him and um it's really tough. Um, Do you have any children at all? No, we you know got married later in life, so you know we are both older, you know, when we got married, so so we never did have kids. So it's just, you know, him and was just me and um you know after Brad passed, everybody told me you you need to get a dog. So, you know, he, the dog that was barking earlier, um, this is the dog I got after Brad died. And when, when he passed away, I, um, got, um, you know, somebody told me to take a trip and I just, I got in the car and I thought, I'm just going to drive across country. Just, I don't know if I was kind of in a denial or what, when I say the word denial, but just, I just felt lost. My whole life felt lost. So I got in a car and I just kind of drove across country with uh, her and my dog, Bobby. And, um, you know, so I did that the first, actually about two months after he passed away. Okay. I did so. some similar things within the first couple of months. I didn't drive across country, but I took a little mini two-day vacation. I went and swam with dolphins. I went and played with goats on an island where a movie had been shot. I did I did different things like that, kind of trying to recover from the exhaustion of it all. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I was in a very much a fog. I really wasn't sure what was going on. I didn't know who I was. I had been Mrs. Bill Murray for 34 years. I had no clue <laughs> what to do. And I had always been a very independent person. But suddenly, I mean, for seven years, I was his caretaker. And I didn't really know what to do anymore. And it, it, there is no feeling like, like what you said, you don't, you just lost. You don't know who you are. When you look in the mirror, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing or how you're supposed to feel. It's very difficult. It is a difficult time. Um, I, 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 when Brad, you know, I both got married late in life and it was kind of like, um, I found somebody finally. And then it was like, then it, was like he was taken away and it was it's so hard to think of to this day you know that was always with him and you know I finally found somebody and then he's taken from my life right I know it's really hard I was I mean Bill and I were always together wherever he was I was at wherever I was he was I mean we were always together and so I do understand that um, it is really, it, it is tough. And I don't know um, my advice normally to people who go, especially who go through that ALS battle, because it's just a treacherous battle. You're mourning every day for new losses when it's happening and you're watching your loved one just slip away physically even though mentally they're still there but yet you can't communicate with them normally it's just it's just a strange place to be and it's like you don't want them to suffer anymore so you're glad when they're not but at the same time like you said and I feel the same wow wouldn't we just want to have them back there is part of me that wouldn't want Bill back sick I wish I could have him back being the vibrant human being he was without the disease so we can do things together and uh so i think that's pretty hard so we'll just we'll talk about the after at this point 